Welcome to Keeping Curious, the podcast that explores creative living through conversations with artists, designers and anyone in between. So whether you're just starting out, feeling stuck or a little lonely in the studio, I'm here to keep you company and keep you curious. Today's episode marks six months of Keeping Curious, so I thought I'd turn the tables and open it up to my Facebook group to ask me questions about the podcasts and my views on creative living in the hopes that I might get some new questions that would be great to pose for future guests. So I'd just like to say before I start a big thank you to all of the people that asked questions that contributed. Um, Fee in particular asked loads of really really good questions so I was going to name everyone but I think that it's going to get a little bit repetitive um, because she asked just so many really good questions so I want to say a big thank you to Sally, Joe, Fee, Jay, Jen and Chris um, for really helping this episode come together. Uh, first question that I ask everyone and Sally asked to me was what does creativity mean to you? Uh, essentially this hasn't changed from doing the podcast. For me creativity means everything. Um, it is the way that we go about our lives and it's what distinguishes us as human beings. I think it's massively important, it should massively be encouraged because it's our individualism, it's how we dress, what we eat, everything, everything that we can do to establish ourselves as individuals as a creative act. Um, But I do think that that is separate to an art practice. Not everyone that is creative is an artist and not all artists are necessarily creative, Um, although they pretty much are. Um, I would like to consider myself as a creative person uh, and that's something that I've kind of been working on and workshopping since starting the podcast and maybe about six months before because I always thought of myself uh, and aimed and aspired to be an artist and because I wasn't making any artwork as a physical item it really kind of put me in a bit of a black hole to to what it was and how I defined myself so redefining myself as a creative and be someone who's passionate about creativity and creative people has really helped me on the journey and I'm hoping that one day it will lead me to my own creative and artistic practice but really it's been opening it up um, to allow me to accept who I am and what makes me me and I think that I love talking to other creative people because we are all so different but on so many levels we have the same issues and insecurities and I think that I hope that Keeping Curious can highlight some of those and it will be different for everyone. So Joe asked, um, what's next for me creatively speaking? This year I've really focused on the podcast and the Facebook community. Uh, as my kind of creative project. I am just about to start a Instagram challenge for myself for the month of August. Um, I think the Facebook group's been great to keep me accountable, um, to set myself goals and then to to make me follow through with it. So it's going to be a photo challenge, one photo a day, really to help me take stock of my life as it's happening. I found that this modern world we find ourselves in just goes at a breakneck pace and it's often days like this on a Sunday and it's raining outside I actually forget that it's summer and that all of the things that go with that 
um, it feels like I've just completely missed out. So August, I really want to, I've got some brilliant things coming up. I've got Sally's wedding, um, it's my birthday. I've got a bit of time in Wales. So I really want to enjoy that. And so I'm gonna start a hashtag savor the summer uh, on the Instagram and I'll connect it to the Facebook page and I'd love for people to join in as well because I think it's quite nice to have a focus and for everyone can do one post a day and it helps me kind of get connected creatively and, and look out for things as well. I think that a lot of creativity is about seeing the unseen and bringing attention to that what can be overlooked. So something like an Instagram photo challenge, although on the surface seems quite superficial, I think it'd be really interesting to see what us as a group would come up with. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I also hope that in the autumn I can go back to my sculpture class. Um, I really, really enjoyed that and I haven't had time to do it uh, this summer because we've had so many weddings and different kind of social things to go to, which has been great, but I have missed getting my hands dirty and just being in the studio making stuff. Um, so the next set of questions are from Fee and she asked, what has been the thing that someone else has said during the Keeping Curious interviews that has most resonated with me? I think from doing the interviews, and I really try to keep them as conversations rather than interviews because I think that's where the kind of revelations happen. I think that every person that I've spoken to has come out of it with a slightly different perspective because you don't often take the time to talk about what inspires you or what's shaped your journey for an hour. So I think that everyone kind of comes away with it um, with something different. But definitely one of the things that resonated with me was um, was actually with Yuffie and it was the rocking chair test because it wasn't so much your answer, but it was your kind of guiding principle for life and and working out what you would regret in later life and how that could inspire action in the present moment. And I think that that's such a useful tool to kind of just check in with where you're at and where you hope to go. So it definitely was the rocking chair test that resonated with me most and it's something that I try to apply which leads us very nicely into your next question, which is when you imagine yourself sitting on your rocking chair, what will be the thing you regret most creatively? Now that's a biggie. <laughs> um, honestly, I think the thing that I will regret most is taking my damn time to get there. Um, I'm pretty confident about the future. I think that my biggest problem has been an all and always probably will be is I'm very long-sighted in terms of the future so I can kind of imagine myself as this 60 year old woman with several PhDs wearing leopard print and being an artist and an academic I can see that quite clearly what I struggle with is how I get from where I am to how I get there and I think if I am at that point what I will do is look back and see how I squandered time and that's something that I've actively been trying to kind of regain as I get older. So in the last year or so, we've made big strides to try and reclaim as much time as we possibly can. 
our work schedules are quite intense. Um, so one of the biggest changes that we've done is to get rid of the TV, um, to reclaim some hours in the evening. And the intention is that we put that towards our creative goals. It doesn't always work out that way. And I tend to go to sleep <laughs> because I'm really tired. Um, but I'm definitely kind of trying to refocus that time into um, my creative passions and it'll be interesting to see what kind of comes out of that but I think the thing that I will regret most is not starting sooner I think that I set myself up on a path and then I got distracted and I'm still trying to find my way back and I'm hoping that by doing one foot in front of the other that I'll find my way back to it um, and that will lead me to being in that awesome 60 year old leopard print wearing sage um, <laughs> But yeah, I think the biggest thing I'll regret is time. And I think that the best thing and most valuable thing you have in your life is time. And it's about how you spend it. So she follows that with, have you got any big creative decisions to make? Um, I guess the biggest creative decision I have to make is to put my focus into the creation of this podcast and the creation of my own artwork ahead of working in an art related environment. I think that it's a very dangerous path that I started when I was at uni and I can remember it quite clearly. I can remember being in the lecture hall uh, in third year and we're talking about what we want to do when we do the next stage, what do we go into further education, do we go into work? to do this and I was so focused that it had to be an art related job and I think that's been my biggest distraction because you can only get a level of fulfillment from your job because at the end of the day a job is still a job um, and it's taken talking to lots of different artists and lots of different paths that they've taken to creative living that has unearthed that none of them did art related jobs really maybe some of them worked a day a week in a gallery but to be a full-time artist it takes sacrifice and it's not a sacrifice that I've done yet but I hope one day I'll be brave enough to do it um what would be your top five tips for creatives that you've learned over the years of working with them I think that's a really really good question um, it probably isn't one that I can pose to other people because I think it's quite a unique job that I had um, but I was lucky enough to work with lots of different creative people and full-time artists um, the number one lesson that I learned from all of them is be consistent I think that when you're starting out and this really is for people that are starting in their journey you think of the work of art as a singular and I think that's what defines the amateur because the professional artist will always have a body of work and they'll always have a theme that inspires them and fills their sketchbooks and has 10 paintings on the go at once it's about showing up and working on it and it is not about one piece i think the a level gcse structure sets you on the wrong path with that it is about a body of work and it's about consistency I'd say number two is know your audience. I think that the most successful artists that I know know their buyer inside and out, so they know what 
they are looking for, they know when they're getting bored of a certain genre, they also know that they are making for someone else. And I think that one of the barriers to me making is I always make for myself. And I think that that is the marker of a professional artist is when you understand that it's for a client, an audience, someone who will buy it, someone who will put it in a gallery or a museum. It has a function and you need to understand what that function is. Uh, three, I've put own your story. I think some of the most successful artists that I've had and sometimes what you could see as the weaker artists were the ones that really owned their story. The ones that could spin a tale. When you go to a private view, they can be quite slow events. And I think as artists, they tend to be quite introspective. Um, I'm one of them, I, I'm an introvert. I don't find it that easy to talk to big crowds of people. I would find it quite intimidating to go into that gallery setting and talk to anyone about anything. So the easiest thing to talk about is your inspiration, why you've created that piece. And the storytellers are the ones that are the most successful professional artists. The ones that are humble don't tend to get the best sales. And I know it's not always about sales, but you really, people want to buy into your story. They want to know the steps you made to make that artwork. And it can't just be, it looked nice. That might be a reason for doing it, but you need to have a reason. It doesn't need to be cloudy, arty-farty, juxtaposition of this hyperbole it doesn't need to be that but it needs to be I started out with this and I've moved on to this and that and, and and always bring in your other artwork as well I think that worked really well when you're in a gallery setting and people would go show an interest in one painting and you go I really enjoyed painting that but that one was inspired by this one and then you lead them through the gallery and they get completely entranced with you there's definitely some artists I'm not going to name them that did that really really well and there's a reason they have a dedicated fan base uh, four be resilient now this is learned from hearing the stories of the people that succeeded because it's it's easy when you're on the other side of it to think that they've had lucky breaks and poor me and they just had it easy but when you actually stop and talk and listen to what they're saying nearly every artist has a hundred rejection letters has times that they tried to do something and got the door slammed in their face um, that they didn't get sales for 10 years but what sets them apart is that no matter what feedback they had they kept going they were resilient they knew that what they had was good and it's about a confidence that comes from it and saying, okay, that's not my opportunity, but I am doing the right thing and my opportunity will be out there. So definitely, I think resilience and the sooner you can build that up, the better. I think that I, my biggest derailment in my own creative practice was exactly that. It didn't have, I didn't have the resilience built up. So when I got onto my MA and I thought, I was the bee's knees because I'd got a scholarship and I'd got a really good degree that I thought it'd be really easy. And as soon as I started getting um, criticism and kind of fundamental criticism, not just of me, but of why was I doing drawing? What was the point of it? Um, 
it, I, ima- I imagine now looking back, it was exactly to build resilience. But what it happened to me is it eroded uh, my ambitions and it eroded my creativity and it eroded my sense of self and purpose until I decided to abandon um, making artwork full stop. And I, I completely stopped and then I just did writing for my dissertation and that's one of my biggest regrets because no one should have been able to take that away from me and no one should be able to take that away from you if you get enjoyment and pleasure from making work doesn't matter what anyone else says and I'd say number five is stay grounded Um, from talking to all of the artists that I used to work with being a professional artist or a professional creative can be quite a lonely um endeavor and that's why I wanted to create the the podcast and the community so people can get connected and not feel like they're living in a bubble outside of society but sometimes I found that people lived in that bubble and they didn't understand the other side of it and I think you need to stay grounded you need to appreciate the opportunities you have to be creative because not everyone does Um, and I hope that when I get to the other side that I can appreciate every single day I get to have in the studio because I think you've got to stay grounded to what the alternatives are so she goes on to say from the podcasts I've done so far what will be in your studio setup for artists now I think she's referring to um, the craft centre idea that I talked about Um, I have this kind of long-held ambition to own my own craft centre I used to live by one it was around the corner from my mum's and it always used to frustrate me that it wasn't as good as I could make it and ever since then I think I was 10 when I first went there I have wanted my own craft centre and it to be this hub of creative people that you can see the processes behind the product um, so you'd have leather workers, glass blowers, ceramic artists, painters, writers, everyone. And you can go up and you can talk to them. And then you have exhibition spaces and you can see the workers in the finished state. Um, but I was always interested in the behind the scenes look. And I was frustrated that there wasn't one place that I could go to do that. So that is still in the pipeline dream. I would still love to have that setup but the biggest thing that I would want from that setup is a sense of community between artists so it it can erode that sense of loneliness that sometimes comes with creativity then she goes on to ask what would my creative space look like well at the moment my creative space is in the shed and we converted it so we've insulated it and cladded it and, and it's all white but didn't last very long um I've got carpet on the floor I quite like doing my drawings lying down um and working on top of them rather than having them on the wall um but it would be filled with books and to be honest it would be quite run down and covered in plaster and clay and all of those it it wouldn't be tidy at all it would have cut out bits of paper on the floor and I'd probably get really frustrated with it, have it clean up, and then it would look just as messy the next day. I'd It would be filled with bits of curiosities and bits I'd picked up on my walks with the dog, and I would just love it to be this kind of 
emporium of curiosities. I think I might be Victorian. Um, and six, what inspires you? The world inspires me. I think that I have this unquenchable thirst for knowledge and learning. I love finding out new things and I love I love nature. I'm quite a romantic. Um, I think that art should evoke a sense of awe and wonder. I think that that's such a precious state, particularly in adulthood. And it's only through theatre, art, and humanities, magic, that you can get back to that state of, wow, look at this. Um, and that's something that I really want to achieve. So what inspires me is, is learning, is reading books, it's listening to lectures, it's just going out for a walk, uh, especially along the coast. I think that I'm inspired by light and beauty and shadow and depth and contrast. Um, when I try and piece together what my artwork so far has been about, I always kind of bring it back to light. I'm really interested in, in light and shadow. And I think that when I start making again, it'll be to explore those kind of themes. So Jay asked me, what do I consider art itself to be and he prefaced this with um, his interest in magic as an art form because he's a magician which is very cool um, and I don't want to upset him sorry Jay but I think that art itself is human expression through material uh, gains I think other things are art forms but I think that there, for me, art has to be made by hand. It has to have a craftsmanship element, but I also think that it has to have the stamp of the individual. And I think that's almost where the definition of craft and art separate, because I think that the highest honor in craft often is perfection and to remove the individual and to make hundred of the same things and to have consistency where I see art as very much honouring the individual and I think that magic is an art form as is dance as is theatre it's an experience and it's definitely one full of wonder and I think that it's definitely sparks curiosity um, but I think that art itself needs to be a material object and my frustrations with my MA course and that kind of dialogue of art is I, I, I just don't understand it to be art. I, I remember I get so frustrated going to galleries and I, I feel like I live in the emperor's new clothes and I'm working in the high court and I'm the only one that sees that he's naked and you look around and everyone's acting really seriously and it just makes me want to scream. I think that one of the most depressing things is to walk around the National Gallery and see all the amazing achievements and beautiful objects that have been made in the past and then walk through until you get to the present day 
and the one that offends me the I've got two exhibitions that stand in mind that offended me the most and I'm sorry if you're a postmodernist and you think these things are wonderful but they don't do it for me and it's what really rocked my belief in whether I was actually interested in art at all the one was when I was in Paris and I went to an exhibition and it was in the gallery that's opposite the Eiffel Tower we'd spent the day in the Dorsey in the Louvre and we'd seen amazing artwork and this gallery had an exhibition on didn't know anything about the artist got in there and it was a Dan Flavin exhibition and anyone that knows Dan Flavin his work is fluorescent light tubes the same that you get in any office propped up in a corner for an entire gallery not loads of fluorescent tubes just one in the corner and for someone that has invested kind of 10 years into art education for someone that's interested in the history of art and the meaning behind it I just find it that type of artwork to be a smack in the face I don't mean to this podcast to be overly opinioned and I think that anyone that's creative has a right to express themselves but I don't see how that is an expression and I'd love to interview people that have opposing views to mine because I want to understand and then the other exhibition that I went to was in the Icon in Birmingham and I went through and there was like an essay by the wall and it was all white walls and I was like okay they're setting up the exhibition and then I walked through to the other end and realised there was no exhibition but I saw the posters outside so I knew there was one on and and then I went back and I read the information and basically they'd raised the floor by two inches and that was the artwork that is an intellectual exercise it's probably an intellectual exercise about what is the meaning of art but it's not a conversation that adds any depth to our experience of the world it doesn't add any validity to what we can create it doesn't push any boundaries and it ceases to exist once that exhibition is taken apart and my definition of art is very much in the physical objects the physicality you have got the two-part process and I do believe that there is an artwork in the process but I think that art should have a product and I think that's why I've had a problem with defining myself as an artist because I don't produce an art product yeah he wanted me to meditate on that so I hope I really love to hear your thoughts on what you consider art to be and whether I'm alone in this I know I've spoken to other people Um, I spoke to a lady last week who said that she'd taken to her young teenage uh, children to a gallery in St Ives and was heartbroken because it was so disappointing to have two young people engaged in art and drawing and painting to take them to a gallery and I think it had something about cat litter I don't know who what exhibition was on but I know that feeling. I know that feeling of where is my place in the world? Because when I was at towards the end of my MA, I admired historical artwork but felt no relevance to modern life. And then I I despised modern artwork and modern art galleries 
And then I also didn't feel like I had a buyer or a practice that would work for the commercial art setting. So where, where do I go? For someone that has wanted to be an artist and a maker since they're four years old, where's my place in the world? And I think what I hope Keeping Curious can do is just bring it all back to the art room that we had at school where it didn't matter what you were interested in that you can just make and do and be whoever you want to be that's what I hope now on a side note of that because he was commenting on one of the things I'd said in my Facebook live he says that chaos is creative and I have to disagree because I think that chaos and creativity do go hand in hand and I think that creatives often live in chaos but I think that what drives a creative mind is trying and striving for order in a world that they see as chaotic. I think studio spaces are chaotic but the actual art form itself is to try and make sense of that and to try and bring it together so it makes some kind of sense. It's trying to find sense in a senseless world. So chaos is important, but so is creating order. But that might be my INTJ talking. So then Jen asks, what is the inspiration behind the podcast? So we've covered this kind of already. Um, but the inspiration behind the podcast was really just to create an open, honest conversation about the creative urges, what makes people want to make things and what their experience of that journey is. Um, I've always been really interested in it and the main reason why I started a podcast is because I couldn't find what I was looking for. Um, she also asked, what gives me the will to keep going? I get such a buzz from after having the conversations with artists and creatives and whatever their passion is, I, I find it fascinating. I love having that insight into someone's world and I don't think that's ever going to go away and I was doing it long before I had a podcast. I've always thoroughly enjoyed these kind of conversations and it's just nice to be able to share them and to hear any kind of feedback that there's something in there that's helped someone then that's even better and that will always keep me going but I will be having these conversations until I die whether they're made public or not and what are my dreams for the future um I've really loved how autonomous the Facebook groups become and that people are starting to share articles that they've read videos um and that it's really become this kind of collaborative space and I really hope that that continues. Um, I really hope that I can do my own work in whatever format that will be and I look forward to kind of sharing it and getting feedback. I'd love to introduce crits into the the group. I'm not quite sure yet how I make that work but I think that we all could benefit from just having that reassuring but critical feedback in this kind of safe space. It's what we had at uni and Sometimes it was interesting, sometimes it wasn't, but I think that it would be great to be able to share without having to think about a buyer or anything like that. It's just about the work itself, what we've enjoyed about it, what we could do a bit better, what we should look at, 
who could inspire us a bit more um, and lead us into that. I find that the creative process, and that's why I've linked creativity to curiosity, it's that journey of digging a bit deeper and it's kind of like archaeology in some ways that it's the idea is already there and you just have to kind of dig away at it. But often when you do start a kind of collaborative process, you'll bounce ideas off each other and then kind of dig a bit deeper and then that'll throw you into a different path and you dig over there and in the end it, it kind of all comes together and makes sense. Um, but you probably wouldn't have found all of that out if you just tried to do it on your own. Uh, so back to Fee. Um, she asked, what's, no, who has been your constant inspiration? And I had to think about this one quite a bit um, to see who was my constant inspiration because I think that the, the real truth is I haven't had a constant uh, I think when I was growing up I kind of idolised my brother and he was in art school and I, I, he taught me a lot about art and understanding the world and we, we talked a lot about philosophy and politics and we still do so I think that he really shaped my character but I think who I admire now is probably my mum because she retired last year and since then, she's kind of come alive with creativity. She goes to painting classes. She's writing a book. Um, she's learnt Reiki. She's really kind of embraced her creative side. Um, and I think that, I don't want it to sound like a negative, but I would have loved to have seen that when I was growing up. Um, I, I know that she made massive sacrifices for us while I was small and it's it's amazing to see her step inside her own world now but it would have been great to see that when we were growing up so yeah she's a constant source of inspiration and she inspires me to make the leap sooner and to not have to wait to retirement uh, to take up hobbies um, and passions and creative projects so next question is what made you suddenly decide to do a podcast and was it a big decision to make well first of all it wasn't sudden at all <laughs> um, I left my old job started a new one had a massive commute and the only way I could think of getting through this was through podcasts now I briefly listened to podcasts before when I was at uni, I had a brilliant one called Philosophy Bites, which were about 10 minute lectures on different philosophical topics, which if you want interested, that's quite a good one to check out. And then I kind of lost touch with it, wasn't really interested, but it was this commute that started making me listen for about three hours a day to different podcasts. And it made me absolutely fall in love with the genre. It was really refreshing to hear other people and the biggest influence on me was Elizabeth Gilbert's um, podcast that accompanied her book Big Magic because it spoke to everyday people that had creative problems and then she talked to them, unpacked what the problem was and then she got kind of an expert in to talk about it and I thought it was fascinating 
but I also didn't really like the idea that of creating too much of a separation between the amateur who paints every day to the expert who's a New York Times bestseller. I and I find this when I was looking through all the different podcasts that everyone's really keen to really big up the person and I'm sure they've achieved massive accomplishments but what really got me about Elizabeth Gilbert's is listening to a story of a mom of three that set up her own business but also likes to write novels or poetry every night I found was massively inspiring and it's a, it's those personal stories that are missing from our landscape I think especially with social media people like to um, veneer their lives and make it look like they're all together and if life's not going so well you tend to find that people go dark it's not that they broadcast what's going on and what struggles they've had they just don't post so it means that we only ever see this shiny surface and we never dig deeper and it's always these stories like I remember going around museums and reading love letters from the war it's those personal stories that really colour in the world as it is today and I think it's talking to everyday creatives and I am interested in everyone's story I think that anyone that comes home from work and spends two hours crocheting is a hero because it is so hard and it is it's so hard to do that and it's so easy to be pacified by tv by shopping by whatever to be distracted from making something we are so time starved so anyone that puts attention into that journey and that process is a hero to me and I want to hear their stories and what keeps them going and yes I've got some contacts of people that are lucky enough to do it full time but it's their story about how they got there that really inspires me most it's it's the push through the difficult times um, that gives me hope that it's possible it's not the New York Times bestseller who's amazing and sold 10 million albums and sold out the Tate Modern. Like Those are inspiring stories, but it creates such a, a gap between where I am today and who they are that it's like reading fantasy. I want to, hit, I want to highlight the voices of the people that are doing it now, are doing it on a day-to-day, that are juggling modern life whether that's motherhood like with Sally or with Rob with his full-time job or whether they've like Fee just dove in and are really trying to make it work and they're not quite sure how it will happen I think they're really inspiring stories and I think that we need to celebrate them and I hope I'm not the only one but that's what drives me so basically to, to try and shorten the answer a little bit I went listen to podcasts listen to that podcast in particular then thought that I've got a lot of contacts and I've got some brilliant stories that would be brilliant to share and but I'm not that type of person I'm an introvert I don't like talking to people I don't know how I'm going to do this I'm pro- they're probably not going to talk to me because everyone likes to put a veneer on everything how am I going to make this happen I have no idea how to start a podcast I have no idea about any of the coding or any of that Um, So I kind of wrestled with it for about six months. Um, During this six months, I was listening to the Minimalist podcast a lot. And one of the things that they talk about is the core values. 
and I was making strides in most of the core values and the one that I really didn't put anything into was contribution and that's where I thought that I'm time starved I don't have enough time to do charity work or this and the other but the one thing I can do that might help people is to share these stories and that's what kind of was the driving force to send it up um and it was a pretty big decision to make because for someone that doesn't have much time to commit to doing something that I have no idea how to do it takes a bit longer um but it's been so worthwhile and these as I said before these conversations I've been having in private for years and it's just a pleasure and a privilege to be able to share them with people and I also think that these insights are the woven together snippets that I managed to get from years of conversations where it's really nice to just sit down and listen and talk to someone for an hour it is so nice and we don't do that enough um everyone's got an interesting story absolutely everyone on the planet has got a different perspective and I think that I'm interested in creativity but I think that this format should be used across the board it doesn't matter what the topic is I think that everyday people's stories should be celebrated um so fee asked do i get nervous about interviewing people yes and no um i've been lucky enough to interview people that i know or have known of um so i don't get particularly overwhelmed by meeting them for the first time or sitting down talking i get nervous about technology because i think it's going to fail me I get more nervous doing my own introductions and outros than I ever do talking to someone because when I'm talking and having a conversation, I don't want the spotlight to be on me. I don't have a set of questions and I ramble through them. I like to listen to what they say and I like to use that as a jumping off point and expand on things and it really is just a conversation and it's nice that they kind of find a natural end but I think that it's just been great to to meet people and I, I really look forward to the next people that I'm going to interview and what they can bring to the group. Um, who would I love to interview and why? Uh, well, obviously, if I was going to be all marketing-y, I'd say the next person that I'm going to interview, um, but I won't do that. I think in my fantasy dream world um, is probably Elon Musk. I listened to his TED talk. And I honestly believe he's like the modern day Da Vinci. He might not consider himself to be an artist, but the way he described his thought processes with handling a problem was so creative and so revolutionary. I just would love to unpick that brain for a little bit. I just think he's absolutely fascinating and everything I read about him since, I do think he is the man that will transform the way we live in the next 50 years um i think i it's just a watch this space situation so yeah i would love to interview elon musk don't think it's going to happen but that would be lovely um who has surprised you the most of the people you've interviewed and why um i'd have to probably say when lydia said that she wanted to be a comedian and that's not because I don't think she's funny I think she's hilarious but I think it was just it was just a surprise I've known Lyd for nearly nearly 10 years um, 
and I had no idea that she kind of harboured that ambition and it was a really kind of poignant part of the conversation when she said that how quickly that dream got crushed and I think that that's just something to take away is how much of an impact even the slightest word or look can have on someone and I know Jen and Lid work a lot on kind of building people up from those kind of experiences but I think that there should be more made of stopping those experiences happening um, but yeah that one surprised me and it led to a really interesting conversation uh, but I also think it surprised her wife so I, I'm not on, on my own with that one <laughs> um, what is my favourite medium to use and what kind of art do you prefer to create realistic or expressive uh, all my uni work was in charcoal but that was probably a head over heart decision um, and I actually remember pinpointing when I made that decision I was in second year um, and I was really into bronze and sculpture and I used to weld and I used to work on the forge in the blacksmith uh, studio and I kind of stopped myself and was like when you graduate you can't set up a forge you can't work in a, a foundry so set something up that you will be able to continue that I whatever situation I find myself in whether I've got a small flat in London with only a kitchen table to work on or whether I can go and have a studio work on something that I can carry on and it was a very sensible decision to make but I think that it actually it stifled me and I think that I'm my own worst enemy for that I I'm too sensible for my own good and I think things through far too far um and I I'm now trying to uncover my passion for sculpture so my in terms of my work up to date it's been charcoal and I do love charcoal and charcoal drawing um but I think in realistically my favorite material is all sculptural materials I love uh clay I love wax love 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 wax and I was so passionate about the foundry process it was just magic um so I definitely think my heart lies in sculpture and I, I'm just finding my way back at the moment. Um, oh, and what kind of art? Uh, can I have realistic and expressive? I, I don't like purely realistic. I do tend to lean towards kind of photorealism in painting. I do quite like that. But then I like that when it's mixed up. So I love the work of someone like Connor Harrington or Guy Denning where you can see the groundwork of um, technical ability but it's not just technical ability it's kind of got that learning the rules and then breaking them I don't like artwork where people don't seem to have learnt the rules and I haven't learnt the rules yet and I'm making it my mission to do that um, and then I don't like artwork that's truly just expressive really quite like Jackson Pollock but that's kind of a separate it just looked cool um, my favourite artist probably probably is Giacometti um, I've recently been to his exhibition in London uh, well retrospective exhibition in London and it was really interesting to see his journey because again one of the things I find when you go to exhibitions or you name an artist you name a kind of genre that you know them for and you kind of think that that's what they've done from day one 
and it's really good when you go to a retrospective where you see how their interests and talents have been shaped over the years um so yeah i i realism slash expressive is my interest <laughs> i'm sorry if that sounds like a get out uh, and then she puts me on the spot and says, can you imagine yourself having a creative career? And if so, when? Well, the answer's yes. Um, yes, 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 and yes. I can absolutely imagine myself having a creative career. Um, I am just trying to figure out how that goes about, how I make that work. Um, at the moment I see myself putting one foot in front of the other and just trying to do something every day to take me a little bit further towards my vision of what a creative life looks like but I will say this that I don't think my artwork or my creative self will ever be purely in the making it's why I did fine art and philosophy at uni I think I've definitely got two sides of my brain um, and to be nur nourished and nurtured I need to do both so I see myself really running this podcast and the website and writing as a big part of my creative career and then having the making as the other half and, and creating artwork as the other half I don't really see it being 100% either way I don't think if I was just a writer I'd be happy but I don't think I was, if I was just a sculptor I'd be happy either um, I need the balance of the both keep making podcasts keep interviewing people and seeing where this journey goes and I'm really excited about sharing all of it with you is my ambitions for this podcast is that it is a document to my journey and I hope that at one point I'll be able to tell you that I made it <laughs> whatever format that is but I don't know how long you have to wait for that I'm not sure so just stay tuned um, Sally asks, what is my perfect creative day? Huh, okay, so I like it when people really colour in what their creative day looks like. So my perfect creative day, I would wake up to natural sunlight, feeling refreshed. I would go for a walk with my dog, preferably alongside water, preferably by the seaside. I would then come back and I'd maybe make a cup of tea and go straight into the studio and then I would probably ponder for a bit to be honest. I probably wouldn't make anything, I'd probably just sit and think and plan and research. Um, I'd have a bit of breakfast and then probably from 11 till maybe 7. I would work messy, big, dirty work. Um, I'd love, my dream future studio would be oversized sculptures and it would be like a massive kind of cow shed type building that was just filled with body parts and enormous sculptures. I would love that. So yeah, it'd be really messy in a boiler suit for the whole day and then I would get ready and we'll have dinner and be with family and friends and then literally start that day again I, I if I could do that I probably have to have audiobooks or 
uh, podcasts on in the background so I'm constantly learning while I'm making um, but yeah that would be amazing it would have an element of planning and research but a big element of play uh, if I could change anything about your past would you? that's a hard question and it's one I've thought about a lot um, and I think it's a good question to ask a lot of people because I think that I am a sum of my parts and there's definitely parts of my journey that I would not do um, I, I find that the MA really derailed my practice but because I got a scholarship for it I do think that I would make that same mistake over and over again because on paper it didn't look like a mistake. Um, I think that like the rocking chair test, I think I would try and make more use of my time. There's definitely been elements when I've used my time um, not as effectively as I could do, but I do feel like it all has to lead me to this moment and I'm quite pleased with where I am in my life right now there's definitely work to be done um, but I feel like I'm heading in the right direction finally I've cleared a lot of clutter that was out of the way and I feel like I'm making progress to become the person that I want to be um, so no I probably wouldn't change anything maybe try and trust my heart a little bit more um, I've I've constantly kind of tried to reason everything and make sense of everything um so i think that there's a lot to be said for gut instinct and just see how it goes um and be brave really be brave um it is scary being abundantly creative uh, at least right, scary trying to make a living out of it <laughs> uh which leads on to our next question which is when are you going to quit your job and be a full-time artist? Well, I think I've already kind of answered that one. Um, when? I don't know. But in the future, at some point, I want to be a full-time artist. But I do feel like for me to make that leap, I need to prove to myself that I can at least be a part-time artist. I don't think I can go from the life I've got now to just quit and then all of a sudden wake up and I'm an artist. I don't think it quite works that way. I think I need to build up my practice, which is what I'm trying to do. Um, build up my my kind of... Yeah, it's basically just build up my practice, build up my skills, hone them. I'd love to be able to go and do um, a residency or, or a, a summer school programme. I've got a few like Lavender Hill Studios I've eyed up for years now I'd love to do one of their programs so it's just about getting all my ducks in a row really um, getting enough savings getting my wants down um, I think that's a big one and I'd recommend anyone looks through their life and does an inventory and and correlates it with what's really important because it's the way I've been able to progress a lot quicker this year than I have done before and that's by just literally going through every item that I have and seeing is this a barrier or from what's is this what's stopping me from doing the life that I want to have so yeah soon hopefully one day 
And then last question is, what can we, as people who care about you, do to further your creativity? And that one's from my mother-in-law. Um, I think I've been really lucky that I've had very supportive people. I really think the enemy to me is me. I think that I have put a lot of barriers in place that I'm trying to unpick. Um, I felt like I needed to establish myself. Uh, I felt like I needed to prove myself. Um, I'm not quite sure why, um, but that was definitely there. And I feel like I've done that now and I'm ready to kind of move on and do what I enjoy. And I know that I'm the one that's in my own way, but I would say to open that up more broadly for anyone that wants to support someone who is openly creative and wants to be creative for a living so if your kids are interested in doing it and they and you're not sure that they'll make a career out of it um I would urge you to be like Fee's mom and to just give them your blessing to give it a go and if you need to put a timeline on that put a timer on it but really just you get one life and you should go for it and I think that the best thing you can do to support uh, someone's creativity is just reduce the fear I think that we all have enough anxiety um, about our creative passions anyway inherently so for society to add to that fear of you will never make a job you'll lose the house you'll that doesn't help um so i think it helps to be realistic but i think that the the most supportive thing you can do is just reduce the fear and and just be be supportive just give them your blessing and see what happens like that match and see what happens so yeah, that's the last question. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Keeping Curious. Um, head over to the Facebook page to kind of get in touch with all these people. Um, I think there's some brilliant questions in there and I definitely would love to hear your feedback on which ones stuck out to you because I think I can put them through to other people. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I know it was a bit different, but I thought it would be interesting to kind of turn the tables and to answer some of your questions so i hope you enjoyed it and i look forward to next month's episode until then i'll see you on the facebook group take care and keep curious